right, all right, all right. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pokemon Masterclass. My guest today, uh, they, they've got a little bit of similar blood as your boy Pokenav here, coming from the Midwest, from the plains, from the great state of Nebraska. We're going to be talking about a theme that we developed earlier on this week, and if you guys haven't guessed it already, it's all about Japanese Pokemon cards. So, Please uh, join me in welcoming to the podcast, Brian from Pokey N.E. Brian, how you doing, buddy? Man, I am. I'm doing so good. Uh, appreciate, you know, letting me on the podcast. I've been watching you for a long time, so it's an honor. I feel good. I truly appreciate that, man. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, I think we had corresponded here it's been quite a few months ago and to see the growth that uh, i believe it, it's you and your your wife right you guys basically running this yourselves yeah me and my wife and our two dogs that's, that's it <laughs> so they're they're the brains of the operation then right absolutely the, the brains <laughs> the cuteness that they do it all awesome well you know just to see the growth that you guys have had from the initial point of contact until now is is really awesome and and uh, we'll get into it here, but uh, you guys have really made your mark in building a business around Japanese Pokemon cards, which you see a lot of retailers out there. There's a ton of them out there that uh, do resells of English cards, English Pokemon cards more specifically, mm -hmm. but not a ton that focus specifically on Japanese cards. So let's go ahead and start off here. I want you to go ahead and give everybody watching and listening uh, a little bit of background on why you decided why you decided to start this business venture and why you decided to go down the route of Japanese cards. Yeah, for sure. So um, I've been a Pokemon fan forever, you know, since like kindergarten. Uh, my wife gave me a wedding ring with all the starters on it and, and you know, in Boston there. My dog's name is Evie. So I've always been a fan. I've also always been like a reseller. I've got an eBay account. I started like in second grade, always tried to make my own money. Um, so with this Pokemon boom, I wanted to, you know, play with play with both sides of my personality. Um, I'm gonna take that toy away from my dog. There, I'm so sorry. There, there's I'll, there's I'll the brains. It's <laughs> yeah, being her. Uh, that's that's Evie. So yeah, I've, I've always been a Pokemon fan. Always been a reseller. Um, when Pokemon got really big this year, especially, I wanted to get in on it, but I didn't want to be one of those guys that's, you know, waiting outside of Walmart, taking the kid, the cards from the kids, flipping, like I could make a lot of money doing that, but I didn't want to be that guy. So I thought, okay, if I import these from Japan, do it relatively legitimately, it's not like I'm taking them away from anybody here. I'm bringing them into the country and providing what what I consider kind of a service where it's a win-win for everybody. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And, uh, so so what uh, how much uh, how much experience did you have with the Japanese cards prior to starting this business venture? Were you guys pretty knee deep into the Japanese realm already or was this kind of a, an entirely new venture altogether? Pretty much a new venture. I just remember being a kid, like on the playground, and there'd be like that one dude that had like a Japanese Pokemon card. And it was so cool just seeing the the text. Um, so I knew like, you know, kids like Japanese cards, but that's, I mean, that was about the extent of it. I, uh, I've got a ton of experience networking, reselling. I know all the Pokemon, but as far as Japanese, brand new. 
So how did you guys, uh, how were you able to find somebody over in Japan in order to source this large quantity of, of Japanese products? Because it's something that is, is not easy. I, I will say that it's gotten easier now. When I started back in 2016, getting Japanese cards was a really big deal and it was very difficult. And even now, it's not exactly an easy thing to do. So I'm interested to hear how you were able to source uh, you know, a reputable uh, dealer or, or third-party uh, person to get this vast quantity of Japanese products? Yeah, it's a good question for sure. So um, like warehouses in Japan, they don't work with Americans. If you look at the back of a box, it says only for sale in America or in Japan. So I had to be creative. What I did was I uh, spent about 12 days, maybe three to five hours a day on Instagram literally just dming japanese people they didn't even have to they like even if they had nothing to do with pokemon i just dm japanese people um ask them if they knew anyone and th that was it and then i also one of my guys i found this way i went to ebay um typed in japanese pokemon cards searched uh with like furthest away on you can like search by location mm -hmm. and i just went to all the japanese sellers i uh send them a message and eBay doesn't let you ask, Hey, want to make a deal outside of eBay? They catch that. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I, uh, wrote it on a piece of paper, kind of what I wanted to do, took a picture of that. And then I sent them the picture and eBay doesn't catch that. Mm -hmm. So there's a secret for anyone that wants to start a business, uh, take a picture, <laughs> send it to like, I, I sent, I, I probably contacted about 120 eBay sellers over the 10 days. And I found a few that it worked out. Awesome, awesome. So that, and that's that's the true testament of, of social networking, right there, mm -hmm. right? And also being able to to bypass the system. <laughs> uh, sometimes sometimes you have to use those rudimentary tactics in order to yeah. get through this this high technology. So okay, so you guys found uh, various different uh, sellers in Japan. What was it like in the beginning for you? Were you guys you know just buying a little bit here and there? Were you buying in bigger quantities? Is this how you were able to establish uh, a, a stronger relationship because you were purchasing in larger quantities up front? How did that all work out? Yeah, and I think this is good for anyone that wants to get started with a business because like we're making a lot of money now, but we started, we bought three booster boxes. So, you know, uh, maybe 160 bucks worth. And uh, we just bought those three. And what we did was we took the booster packs out of the boxes and we sold the booster packs for like three bucks a piece. So if you buy a booster box for like $70 or whatever, you sell each pack for three bucks that's $90 a box. And obviously that's not like impressive. That's not extremely sustainable, but for all I cared, we'd take a loss on the stuff. I just wanted to experiment. When those three boxes of booster packs all sold, I knew I had something. So then I spent a thousand dollars on more booster boxes. We cycled through those over the course of maybe two, three weeks and, uh, I think when I sold about half of those, I spent another thousand dollars and that's it. I mean, I just kept churning until I was, I mean, now we're buying maybe between 40 and $60,000 of boxes a month. And it, it's not like I, it's not like I started like with all this money, I just slowly churned it. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and that's and, and you're absolutely right. I, I, that's how the majority of of resellers start out. You start with what you have, what you can afford, and then you just continually build from there and you build that rapport. What's great about the venture that you've got going on is unlike so for instance with with us in, in pokey realm when we source a lot of the different distributors in the the united states there's a lot of other intangibles right or, or a lot of other extraneous factors that people don't see it's like you were able to build up to that point and and be able to get to where you are now whereas with you know regular resellers it's like if you're not spending the big money up front and in, in, in the beginning you're not you're not getting anything and even by the sheer fact of being new, you're really not getting anything because you're the new kid on the block where you've kind of found another avenue. You found another avenue in, in the Japanese markets where you could build up. You could start small and build up. And now with that consistent amount of money going in and out every single month and, and to, your, to your various sources, uh, it's, it's presented you with, with a really good opportunity. And I, and I love that because I love people that kind of go avant-garde, right? That go against mm -hmm. the grain, kind of go against the norm. And it's exactly what, what you guys have done. It's it's the only way, honestly. Like if you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're going to end up like most other people, which is nine to five job, no escape. So yeah, you got to be avant-garde, you know, you got to switch it up. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and be able to take risks. I'm sure you guys were a little apprehensive in the beginning right you, go, you know my wife sure was <laughs> well you know not not just from the fact of you know starting a new business which is always scary right starting a new business mm -hmm. is always scary because of the unknown but also then sourcing you know your your the products that you're getting are coming from overseas there's a lot of things that can happen in between you know that that big ocean right from getting yeah. from japan to you guys in the in the middle of uh in the middle of the country so you know how how did you guys feel in the beginning did you think to yourself like okay i've got i vetted these sources thoroughly i understand who we're working with and then i'm sure over time you probably understood okay this this is a viable venture and the people that we're working with are, are good people reliable resources and just kind of built upon that yeah, I mean, you're giving me a lot of credit. When we started, um, I was just fully prepared to lose. Uh, you know, I got a I got a college degree, which costs a lot of money, as you know, mm -hmm. and that really didn't do me any good. So I figured, okay, if I can spend 20, 30 grand on a degree that I've never used, I can lose a couple hundred bucks on a risk. So I started small. Like I said, I spent, you know, less than 200 bucks the first time. And when the guy shipped the stuff to me and it was legit and it was you know in good shape it was what i ordered at that point i'm like well he's not gonna rip me off the second time so i gave him a grand and i just had to learn to trust people i mean there was a uh, one case where that went poorly mm -hmm. and i needed to I, I i only use paypal goods and services so there's not really a risk because if they rip you off you got to go through a lot of rigmarole but you will get your money back so if you go through the right avenues use paypal um, you know, you don't wire money across these. It's it's not as risky as you think. It's just it could be a pain in the butt. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm interested to know also shipping from Japan is astronomical. How <laughs> yes, have you how how have you guys been able to factor that into 
the overall cost of your products because if you guys haven't yet i would highly recommend checking out uh, pokey ne on their website because the the prices are, are very very competitive compared to what you're seeing out there in, in various other online channels so how have you guys been able to kind of factor all of that in and still be able to keep your prices down yeah i mean that's our goal we want to we'll never beat japan's prices but we try to beat any american seller on ebay is usually our gauge uh, to do that that's where the bulk comes in you were talking about you know buying in bulk is the only way and and it is the first uh the smaller orders where we're spending a thousand dollars a piece we'd profit on booster packs but we'd also sell booster boxes and we'd take a loss almost every box um we just considered that a loss leader a way to get people on the site Mm -hmm. And because a lot of people, they want that, but they'll also buy packs. So it was just part of the advertising. Um, now, obviously, we're making money on everything. And that's all just bulk. You know, if you're spending ten dollars to $20,000 at a time, shipping becomes very affordable. I mean, if you go to like Plaza Japan and you buy one booster box as a consumer, I think that shipping could be anywhere between like $15 and $25. Mm -hmm. I, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but when you're buying 200 booster boxes well now the shipping comes down to like a buck 20 per box um so it's just it comes down to bulk really mm -hmm. that's the secret mm -hmm. and it takes time right it takes time to build up to that point right you, you can't just start that way um even if you have the right products and the right skills and the right network if you don't have an avenue to sell the stuff it just it's not gonna work uh you need a website where you're not paying commission, you need uh, social media to tell people about it. So, you know, we didn't start buying in bulk until we had all that lined up. Mm -hmm. So what are the various channels that you guys started using in the beginning and that you're currently utilizing now to sell your products? Yeah, man, I, I mean, I love these questions because I want people to be able to do what I'm doing because it's fun. And uh, the avenue like for like we literally grossed a hundred thousand dollars without paying a single cent in advertising and we did that all through TikTok, which i thought was hilarious because you know six months ago i thought TikTok was for attractive girls dancing and maybe business tips and funny videos but all we did we took videos of our cards to some cool music we put a link and a hundred thousand dollars gross came out of that now what we do is we uh, we spend a ton of money on Facebook ads, Instagram ads. Um, I got my car wrapped, which is obnoxious, so people see it. Um, you know, we do all sorts of stuff now, but all you need, guys, is, is you just need TikTok. That's it. Wow. Wild. You know, and it's so funny too because uh, a lot of people have recommended to me to get on TikTok and, and <laughs> I think I, I mean, I'm still in that same position that you were in where like I see my like nieces and nephews and like what they're doing on TikTok. I'm like, why would you ever want me on there? Like what am That's I hilarious. gonna offer? But it's, you know, again, it's, you have to go where the eyes are at, right? And, mm -hmm. and if, it's, if that's it, if it's TikTok, if it's YouTube, if it's uh, Twitch, which I know you also do as well, um, ultimately it's all about getting eyes on your business no matter no matter where it's at a hundred percent and you do not need to be creative or fun like my videos are so ghetto <laughs> I, like you might think i'm doing stuff where i'm uh what i call it, duetting people or doing the dances or the trick like no it's literally me 
hey guys, we just got this in stock, go buy it. Like, lamest mm -hmm. videos ever. As long as they hit, as long as some of them hit, that's all you need. It's not, it's not complex. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's funny too. It's funny how fast things like this can accelerate. I mean, just a, mm -hmm. you know, a little over a year ago, I, you know, I started my, my YouTube channel and, and nobody knew me from, huh. from Joe Blow. And now, you know, here we are sitting at, you know, close to 11,000 subscribers and, and all of these different things that have come out of that in such a relatively short amount of time and, and being able to meet so many cool new people. It, it's, it really is. It's a, it's a testament to the day and age in which we live in that I don't think there's ever been a better time for somebody to start a small business. And I don't think there's ever been a less expensive time to start a small business. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, everything's so cheap. And, and dude, honestly, I didn't realize you just started this a year ago. Like, I consider you essentially like a, a YouTube celebrity because you're one of the 30 people I watch regularly. So yeah, I mean, it is crazy. Like you just blew up and I figured you've been there since day one. I just, you know, I'm subscribed, I just watch the new stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, that's awesome. Like 11,000 subscribers on YouTube, that's I mean, that's probably the equivalent of a couple million on TikTok just because of how easy it is on TikTok to grow. Yeah. It's nutty. You need to yeah. start one. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have I have been known to cut a rug as well. So if I can somehow incorporate the 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 investment side of, of Pokemon and, and being able to dance, you know, I I'll do okay. I'll do what I can. I'll do what I can. I'm there you sure go. my wife will be completely embarrassed to watch any of those. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but maybe maybe that's the the next place to go. Okay, so so now you guys have gotten to this place where you know just in a relatively short amount of time, very successful business venture. Um, what's next? You know what what's what's the next goal for you guys to really expand, build upon your business? Um, and uh, are, are you looking, I know, and, and this isn't to, to shortchange you either, uh, guys, not only do they do uh, Pokemon, but they also do other TCGs as well, singles, things like that. So are you guys looking to maybe get into some of the other um, TCGs, at least from, um, in their Japanese version as well? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, like I'm, I'm, I always need to be doing something different. I've done all sorts of weird stuff on YouTube, podcast, like I'm always, so it's not fun for me unless I'm like changing things up. So Twitch was one new thing. I want to keep going with that. Mm -hmm. I'm doing like live shops in our local mall. Uh, it's a pretty big mall actually. So that's kind of my new thing. We're getting like merchandise, not, like not my own merch, but like toys and fun stuff for the kids. Mm -hmm. um, we got some Korean products that haven't really hit very hard, but like people do buy Korean Pokemon cards. Uh, we're gonna get Dragon Ball Z pretty soon, so kind of expanding the TCG world. Um, I've always said I want to focus on Japanese, but I do want to sell English cards if and when I become a legitimate like vendor. I I'll never be like buying and reselling English, certainly not from a retail store. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be like an official vendor and I know right now that's almost impossible yeah. just because who doesn't want to sell Pokemon cards for a living but when this dies down a, a bit in a year or so um, you know now we've got enough we, we have the, the numbers the website we spend enough money where I can probably call any vendor or any wholesaler and probably have a good case for myself so that would be another thing um, 
but man, I, I think the sky's the limit. I think like we've only been doing this six months is the thing. Yeah. Right. It's, it's nutty. And it's like, so I, I want to do, I want to draw everything. I want to try to be a gamer on Twitch. I want to do podcasts. I want to do blogs. Like when you have something, I think you just got to do everything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's going to fail, but like if you're having fun, who cares? Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think that is the hallmark of an entrepreneur is when you mm-hmm. start something and you start to have some success, you have to run with it, right? You have to Definitely. run with it. And especially in this day and age where I think that it's it's so much easier to connect with your audience, to connect with your, your marketplace that uh, when when something does start to click, you have to, you, you have to just... You have to hop on that train and you have to ride it as long long as you can and and and, it, and as many different paths as it takes you yes you know for me i you know i started out just uh just buying and and reselling uh vintage products back in the day back in 2016 um because it just there wasn't a whole lot of that going on um and then slowly, especially once I started my, my YouTube channel and, and Pokemon especially started to blow up, over those years I had developed a, a really strong network of, of contacts, right? And that ultimately led me to when I finally ventured out onto YouTube to really kind of spread my wings and start mm-hmm. going into all these other different facets of the hobby that I had never considered before. When I thought of starting my YouTube channel, I thought, oh, I'll just make videos Maybe I'll make a little bit of ad revenue here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be able to connect with people, meet people, and that'll be great. But I really didn't see it beyond that. And very soon thereafter, I started to realize the potential that something like this has. The, the platform that it gives you and the, and the various different outlets that it provides. And, uh, and so now, I, you know, I'm trying to use that to the best of my ability to try to create as many as many value propositions as i can for the community like when like yeah, like for you, you you saw there was you saw there was a a hole to fill right there mm-hmm. wasn't it was very difficult to get japanese products it, there wasn't um, you know necessarily a reliable resource especially one here in the states that you could go to on a consistent basis and so you saw that void and said here's here's my opportunity and uh, and I and I can understand that. It's a, again, it's the hallmark of an entrepreneur. When you see that and you act upon it, it starts to open up all these other opportunities um, that that you never would have foreseen. And that's that's what makes it fun. I mean, that's the best part about it. Yeah, yeah. So let's go ahead now that uh, everybody's got a a pretty good uh, a pretty good history of yourself, history of the company. Um, let's go ahead and jump in and uh, let's just talk a little bit about yeah. the hobby in general. And, you know, this week somehow turned out to be the theme of Japanese cards. My video on Monday was, was talking about that and how I thought that now might be one of the best times for people to start moving into Japanese products. And maybe you'll, rem- you'll remember this. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask your age. You look like you're younger than me, but I'm for me... It. Well, so we're close. I'm 30, so we're we're pretty okay, close. Or... So you you might remember back in the day that you looked through your Beckett price guides, any of the price guides out there, you were almost guaranteed to find at the top of the price guide Japanese cards. It was yeah, very rarely I mean, English cards, 
And, uh, and it's funny how that paradigm shifted, where the emphasis became less on the Japanese cards and slowly became more emphasized on, on English cards. So, you know, in your opinion, where do you see the hobby going with something like Japanese cards? Do you see more people maybe starting to rekindle that interest that was, that was once there and that, that um, sort of gold standard of Japanese cards? Or do you see that maybe there's just going to be more of, a, more of a mix now? Yeah, well, you know, I, it's a weird comparison, but I see the Japanese Pokemon card market uh, in the same way I see Apple, like as in Apple iPhones. I think for whatever reason this year, mostly because English cards were so hard to get, I think people went to Japan cards because they couldn't do anything else. You know, there was that gap to fill. They're like, oh, I can't buy English, I'll do this. But now I think enough people done that where it's almost a household term in the Pokemon world. And now I think people do it because of the same reason people line up for the new iPhone. They'll pay more for it, they'll wait outside all night, not because it's better to do that, but because they want to be first. And who gets every single new release first? Japan. EV Heroes, Japan. Blue Sky Stream. So I think at this point, no one even cares what language it's in. They just want to have the thing first. Um, I, I think it's one, because people are impatient. They want to have the hot new thing. You know, everyone needs a new iPhone, everyone needs a new set. Um, and then two, I think, just with the the economy in the Pokemon world, you know, you get a card graded. If you're the first one to get it graded and it gets a 10, you're making a ton of money. Um, you know, we saw that with like the special delivery Pikachu, which was obviously English, but the, the first guy that did that made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And so now I think it's almost a race to be first so that Rayquaza that's super expensive and a blue sky stream mm-hmm. I mean it's when the English one releases if it already came out it came out but it, it'll be another time for people to rush and buy it and grade it but right now you can find it in a Japanese set today get it graded if you spend enough money and then sell it on eBay and make a killing I think both of those factors combined so I, I, I think it's only gonna get bigger as long as there's a a, a resale economy for Pokemon, which I think there always will be, and as long as people remain the impatient uh, the impatient humans they are, which will forever be a thing, I think that's, I just think that's how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and the world's so so much smaller now, right? It's so much yeah. smaller in the sense that it's the access to these products is, is so much easier than it's been in the past, and you know, that's, that's testament to people like yourself who have made these more accessible to where people now have the the choice if they know that evolving skies is going to be really tough to get you're not going to find it in walmart you're not going to find it in target you're not going to find it on store shelves maybe the lgs near you is uh, selling a booster box for a hundred and you know sixty hundred and seventy (laughs) dollars a booster box um you now have an alternative you can say well you know what Maybe, maybe I can go out and I can get some Blue Sky Stream. I can get Towering Perfection. I can get EV Heroes. And yep. uh, I can basically get all of the cards and more that's in Evolving Skies just in a different language. Yeah, and, and you can do like it before you, all your English friends. 
Exactly, exactly. You can have access to those cards early. And it's not just the the collectors out there that I'm seeing this from. I'm seeing it across the content creation space as well, where a lot of content, I see so much more Japanese products being opened now by various content creators out there, including the very big ones in the Pokemon community. And I think that is probably an indication of a shift in, in a shift in the mindset a shift in the taste of of what people are are wanting now and i think there has been this this sort of renaissance of japanese products and people are starting to understand it's like it's like the second coming of japanese cards from what <laughs> we used to see back in the day and uh, and a lot of that is is valid in my opinion japanese cards much better quality off the print line um you know 100%. your pull rates are i mean if you compare things like silver lance jet black spirit to chilling rain <laughs> you know the amount of of hollows that you're going to get out of those boxes versus a you know chilling rain it's just it's it's incredible chilling rain was abysmal <laughs> and then i've heard complaints know, from my my fans yes they oh, agree dude Oh, it's it's rough. I think um, Danny Phantom, he did a yeah. whole video, and I think they opened up uh, 72 boxes, which I believe is 12 cases of Chilling Rain, and they were still 13 cards short of completing a master set. That's ridiculous. Just insane. Not okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just in, it's just insane. And uh, you know, the other thing, beyond just modern. When we start to look historically at cards that are in that upper echelon of most valuable, I mean, you're the Pikachu Illustrator, uh, Trophy mm -hmm. Kangaskhan, a lot of these cards, you know, this one back here, the the Espeon VMAX from the EV box, from the Evolutions yes. box, things like that, like these are Japanese exclusive products. Like it's very unlikely that you're gonna get those in English. And even if you do, that card, right? That particular card is only in that box. That's the only yeah. time that you're ever gonna see that. So to me, Japan offers a lot, not just to the collectors out there, to the hobbyists, but also to the investors. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's that's where we're at, and I, I don't see that ending anytime soon. I think it'll last as long as the trading card game itself, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and you know Japan. J the the interesting thing is like Japan versus English because we combine so many of the Japanese sets into English. Uh, you know, we're getting releases about every three months, right? In English, yeah. whereas Japan, it's, it's almost every single month. It seems like you're getting. Oh my god, it's, it's exhausting as a seller. I'm like, oh, need so to how look do, into this? Yeah, because how, how do you? I mean, it's a little bit easier, right? When you're when you're just dealing in predominantly one TCG, like for instance, for us at, at Poke Realm, we we do everything, and so that that in and of itself is very exhausting because there's there's new drops every single week on very all these different TCGs and new TCGs coming out, and it's just it's it's crazy. But how do you keep up with? all of the new stuff coming out of japan are you are you just constantly tracking it online are your your uh, resources keeping you up to date with new things how does that go yeah well um i i uh, i i'm i'm gonna i'm sorry i'm home alone so my dogs it's a, it's a puppy <laughs> it's a, it's a guard dog he's got he's got his bodyguard nearby guys okay. a lot of expensive yeah. japanese stuff around so you gotta have the bodyguard well, if there's anyone watching who came from my site, they, they know about my dogs. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I What do you got, me. by the way? What, what, what breed is your dog? Uh, so I got Evie is a Havanese, and then this is Rose, and she's also a Havanese, and she's the loud one. So, <laughs> yes, everyone knows my dogs. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, like, I, I, I don't know how you do it, because I can't imagine uh, more than one, like, type of trading card, because it's... It's, I mean, it's, I mean, assuming Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh, etc., release as much as Pokemon, which they probably get close. That'd be a lot for me. Like, I've got a Discord, and there's about 200 people part of it. They teach me a lot. Like, they just ask me, "Hey, are you getting this?" And I'm like, "Oh, I've never heard of that." I, you know, mm -hmm. and then uh, like PokeBeach.com, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, PokeBeach. Yeah, I'd assume most people that follow you probably go to that website. So I just kind of keep, I just look at that daily. Um, my supplier is really good with kind of telling me what's going on. He, I wish I would have listened to him more in the past. Like he'll tell me, hey, this is going out of print soon. I suggest you buy a ton of it. And months ago, I figured that was just a sales pitch. Uh, he's mm -hmm. like, hey, you're going to want to buy, you know, $40,000 Miracle Twin today or it's going to get really expensive. And I was like, eh, I don't need that. Well, now I wish I did it. So he <laughs> keeps me very informed. Um, and he he also kind of explains like why certain things are the way they are. Like, I don't know if you've been following, but like EV Heroes, for example, that I, I think in, in America here, it was like a box itself for like 125 to 130 bucks. Mm -hmm. And it just bumped up to like 145 to 155. And the reason for that was um, my supplier basically said that the Japanese Logan Paul, like he, he's as big in Japan as Logan Paul is here. Mm -hmm. He started doing box breaks of EV heroes, just like you said, that these YouTubers are, are getting all over Japanese. And so this Japanese Logan Paul made EV heroes cooler. And so the price just shot up. And my guy told me that before, uh, before the craziness. So he's like, hey man, this dude just made a video on EV Heroes. You're going to want to buy every single thing I own or you're going to regret it. And I listened to him that time. <laughs> so I bought I, my my whole, I got a whole gun safe. Um, it's like a, a 30, 30 gun gun safe. And it's just filled with EV Heroes mm -hmm. right now. Cause, and, and, you know, I, uh, I ran out of the cheap ones and I had to buy the more expensive ones now. So my prices went up um but yeah man i mean you just gotta listen to people suppliers discords youtubers i watch all your videos i watch uh pokey jebel i think is his name he's like an australian dude um he's extremely helpful he's australian but i think he's like part japanese he speaks japanese mm -hmm. yeah so he's super helpful um i mean you just gotta keep your ear out there like i listen to podcasts and pokey tubers I'd say like all like I'd say probably six hours a day, um, even if I've heard the video five times. Like I think just keeping it rerunning, it's it's almost like listening to your science teacher talking before a test. You know, you put your mm -hmm. your phone under your pillow and you just keep on repeating it, and it just it trains your mind to listen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this this hobby, what a lot of people have realized that have jumped back into this hobby over this last year is it is so vast. This hobby is mm -hmm. so vast, and yeah, I've been in it now for, you know, what, six years now? Almost six oh, years, wow. and uh, I, I learn 
something new every single day. New cards, yeah. things that, you know, just very esoteric, obscure type of cards or, you know, learn something new about different markets, right? Like learning more about the Japanese markets now. Um, it's just, it's it's an ever-evolving and, and you, you, you would be hard-pressed to find anyone out there that would tell you, Oh yeah, I, I know it all about about Pokemon. Even even the oh yeah, you know, they'd Scott, be lying. Yeah, Scott Pratt, you know, guys like that 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 are so knowledgeable. Rusty from TCA Gaming, you know, they'll tell you like I'm learning new stuff every single day, every single day. Um, exactly, it's there's just too it's too vast. So I'm interested to know because I I mean I don't really keep tabs on this one because uh, I'm not in that market, but how have you seen the Japanese markets compared to the English markets in in terms of supply and we'll call it um, you know restocks or reprints things like that Ooh, I can tell you about that all day long it's, oh, let's uh, get into it because this is this is the juicy topic right this is this is the thing that's on everyone's mind right now and I get I get questions all the time from uh, members at Poke Realm saying hey Poke now when are you guys gonna get restocks on stuff like this and I'm telling them like guys Pokemon is just not putting it out right now like with chilling yeah, rain for not. instance like we're still waiting on the second wave of chilling rain uh, products to come out but the thing is they don't tell us when that is going to be. They let us know like maybe a week prior, be like, oh yeah, by the way, that second wave of chilling rain, uh, you guys will get that next week. So we like, there's just no real transparency from the top down. No communication. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that compares to the Japanese market. Uh, it's unfortunately very similar. I, uh, so I, I consider myself, I would say I'm on the, the pioneer side of reselling Japanese like at scale. Um, there's definitely other American stores that do it. I, I, I'm hesitant to say it for sure, but I'd say we're one of the biggest new people out there. Um, and and we, we came in at the right time because when I started just six months ago, I could get anything I wanted. I mean, I could get Dream League for like, if I bought it in bulk, I could get a Dream League box for like 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. Now those are like, I think 180 to 220, depending on the day. And I could get whatever I wanted. I had tag team all stars, like the tag team GX boxes, infinite supply of them. I think they cost $60 or something. Now they're going for like 250 to three. And I, I got them all. Uh, my guy got it. He was, he's an official vendor for Japanese cards. He gets them from the warehouse and then sold them to me. Mm -hmm. Well, just like America, his warehouse just straight up ran out. He bought him. He bought them out completely as did everyone else. Um, and like my supplier, I'm his second biggest client. Uh, his first biggest client is he has a store in Canada. And so this dude spends like 150,000 bucks a month on cards. Hmm. We spend about 50. Um, and so like you can imagine my suppliers doing really well, but he's out. I mean, there was a, it, it, it comes and goes of course, but as far as anything like out of print, I mean, it's, it's done like anything from 2019 to 2020 done no more reprints it's just dead and that's why he tell me hey buy a bunch of these buy a bunch of these and i have enough to like last but there's been so many times where i was legitimately afraid that i would just run out and not, mm -hmm. not get any more in 
Um, this new stuff, like he can't even get it from the warehouse more than a handful. Uh, he, you know, he'll order, I think he ordered like, he ordered 2000 boxes of EV heroes back when like the warehouses were doing pre-orders and he got, I think 16. Wow. And so he gave me four and I had to source them in other ways, um, which cost me a lot more money, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's, it's absolutely nuts. I mean, he's got, cause when I, uh, we can talk about this later, but when, when I was asking him if he wanted to be on Vice with me, if he wanted to like get on the, the show and interview with me on, on uh, video chat, he was afraid for his safety because I guess a couple of like his fellow Japanese supplier vendor people, they were getting held at gunpoint, they were getting robbed, broken into. Um, Cause like my guy has, like at any given time, my guy's got like between 800 and a million dollars worth of cards in his like warehouse is what he told me. And I believe it based on how much he can sell me every day. Uh, so, you know, think about it. You got a million dollars of the hottest product in the world. Mm-hmm. And you know, he, he's, he's scared. Um, he decided to come on the show with me, but they blacked out his face and, you know, made his voice all deep and whatever. Mm-hmm. It looks more like an FBI video than a Pokemon seller. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's, it's just as bad in Japan there for, for about a month and like, what month is it about May around May ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, this the whole country was essentially out of cards and my guy just essentially told me, Hey, I'd suggest you keep what you have, close down your shop and reopen it. You'll double your money on whatever you own. And he's right. I mean, if I would have just closed up shop and reopened in August, I'd have a lot more money, but you know, you, you gotta keep churning. You gotta, people aren't going to deal with that well. Mm-hmm. Um, but he stopped selling Pokemon cards for about a month and a half. He sold me Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh. He told me to get Korean Pokemon cards, uh, which was a good idea because mm-hmm. that's kind of what people did. But it's it's the same as America. Uh, he'll send me screenshots of like the Japanese Walmarts and Targets and all their stores completely out of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, it's just like here. I mean, people are rushing into stores like it's Black Friday. They have the same TikToks, the same crazies, the same resellers. Uh, vendors are ordering from the wholesalers and just holding on to everything. They're not like doing it right. Mm-hmm. And then they're selling it like on like the black market of Pokemon. So it's the same, yeah. you know, which sucks, but it keeps it fun. Yeah, you know, it's so crazy. You know, it's so crazy to think, you know, in this day and age that a lot of that is is going on. And I know a lot of it, as you'll probably attest, was due to the pandemic and just supply chain issues, manpower issues, manufacturing issues. I really thought that it would have been resolved by this point. You know, like when we were when we were at this point last year, or maybe a little later on in the year, maybe around like um, October, November. I really mm-hmm. thought that by midsummer to to maybe late summer of uh, 2021 that a lot of this would have been resolved. But you know, here we are still, and and, alloc- and uh, supply is might be worse now than it I was think so. in 2020. I, I it's it's really it's, it's really crazy. It's crazy to me that we haven't had more shining fates like just talking in you know english releases we haven't had more shining fates like vivid voltage like these sets where in the past like a couple sets back i mean you could find those on store shelves all the time 
all the yeah. time. Like that, th this was about the time where stores like Walmart and Target were having like flash sales on a set <laughs> like Vivid Voltage, you know, that that far removed from the current set. Um, and it's just, it's so crazy to me. And it, it, it is a testament to the popularity of Pokemon, but I think it is also an indication of just how in the weeds we really are still. And, and it's not just English, as you guys have heard, it's also Japanese uh, as well. And I've, I've got uh, contacts over there in Japan, and they've told me the same thing. You know, a lot of the lottery yeah. systems that they have going on now with new releases, like with EV Heroes, the lotteries that were going on there. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's just permeated across most of the most of the globe i will say however uh i had a guy that uh, i was doing some consultations for uh over in uh, in uh, dubai and mm. they had so much pokemon products i remember he, he oh, wow. would uh he would uh we would do zoom calls together and he would show me stores in dubai just filled top to bottom with Shining Fates Elite <laughs> Trainer boxes, Vivid Voltage Booster boxes, just a plethora of products. And I, I don't know, is that is that something where it's just that part of the world, there's just not nearly the demand for it, which I, I would think is the thing. But also is there like, right. is, there more, is there more allocation being sent to that part of the world and it's just not being eaten up it's just it's so strange and and europe and i mean europe is is just as bad as the rest of us too a lot of the people that i know over there mm. um very difficult to to find pokemon products so it's it seems like it's it's cross borders and in, yeah it's still it, that it, way. it might not be dubai but it seems like it's most places um i i, I think it's a cultural thing for sure i mean based on this uh japanese logan paul who essentially completely re uh repriced the whole ev heroes line like you know it's a cultural thing it's just society hype mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it, it was a perfect storm right it was a yeah. perfect storm with uh, the pandemic and people being at home and people you know more time spent online and more time spent on youtube and then you know the like you said Logan Paul and a lot of these other big influencers, uh, you know, hyping up Pokemon and and uh, it just it just has continued. Um, we've seen a little bit of a bear market though, right? We've seen a little bit of a bear market with uh, especially vintage products. Uh, we saw that with mm -hmm. some of the recent sets that have come out, um, and now we're starting to see a little bit of a rebound. Starting to see a rebound in in vintage and. So I think it's it's going to go through that ebb and flow. I just, I mean, I'm sure you, as much as me, like uh, we're we're crossing our fingers, our toes, everything. We want things to go back to normal more than anybody, because the yes. more products that we can get, the better <laughs> that our our customers are, the better our businesses are. Um, so we're we're hoping just as much as anybody for for things to go back to normal and be a, a, a abundance of products. A hundred percent. And I think to, to both of our credit, that's what separates uh, someone who flips stuff from a business owner. Cause like, if like I, for example, was just a flipper, I'd be hoping this would last forever. Cause I've got a whole gun safe full of stuff. I can flip it for, if this continues to say, uh, what month are we in to say December, I'll probably double my money on all this stuff. Mm -hmm. 
But that's a flipper mentality. It's like, we want this to go back to normal so that we can churn and burn and keep a, cl- a customer base and keep loyalty and, and, and cash keep flow. sales, cash, cash flow. flow. <laughs> yeah, you need money to move. Money needs to move. It's meant to move. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's the difference. So yes, as business people, I just want it to go back to normal. Yeah. And I hope it does. <laughs> <laughs> so based upon what you're you're seeing maybe your contacts people that you've spoken to people that you've listened to uh, I, and i've asked other guests the same thing uh when do you foresee if you could give like a general time frame when do you think things might go back to some semblance of normalcy well um i would have a couple months ago i would have guessed august september because you know i come from a retail background and i think you don't need to come from that to know that no one buys crap in August and September. There's no holidays, there's nothing fun. You're all outside, you're doing outdoor things. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that it's basically worse than ever shows that I was very wrong. Um, my sales, for example, are higher than ever before. And again, it's such a lame month. So, okay, September will be the same as August probably. And then October is essentially holiday season. Mm-hmm. So not this year i mean i would say uh i could see february march maybe but in october we got the 25th anniversary sets and da, da, da. november and december are christmas and all the other holidays it's like i think we'd be lucky if it was like feb march because that's the start of again kind of a lame part of the year there's nothing really going on um but yeah, man, I mean, I really thought it'd be over by August, September, and I was obviously very wrong. So what do they have to do? You know, and I've and I've pondered this myself. What does you know, what does Pokemon have to do from, you know, a business standpoint, from a manufacturing standpoint? Do we just got to get more manufacturing facilities built? And I and I think about it, you know, you as a business person and I guarantee Pokemon is thinking the same thing. They're thinking do we build all these manufacturing plants, run the risk that this popularity maybe has a short run, and then we've got these very expensive plants that uh, that we're not utilizing then, that we've built, and that now we're, we have this overabundance of supply, and we've got uh, printers sitting stagnant. We've got, you know, we've hired all this manpower that we're not utilizing anymore. Like, I think of that, right, where, like, a lot right, of people don't consider that. And I wonder if Pokemon isn't thinking something similar themselves to of saying, let's just kind of wait and see how this plays out. Let's see if that demand is still there after we go through the tw- the year of the 25th anniversary. And if it is, then let's start ramping up our manufacturing capability to get more products out there because we've, we've basically gotten the data points now that it is going to continue in this same level of popularity. Yeah, and I mean, I think that makes that's very logical. Um, the the I, I don't know if you'd call it a pessimist in me, but the, the the pessimist in me is saying they're doing everything they want to do. I mean, you've got the highest grossing media franchise in history. You're telling me they can't print more cardboard? I I I think it's a little bit on purpose. I mean, you know, okay, we're in COVID right now. Supply chains are rough. Um, but take it back, what, 10 years to when the Nintendo Wii came out. 
you're telling me they couldn't make more of them. I mean, I think they like the fact that you exist and all these other podcasters exist and Logan Paul exists because if there was if there was ample supply for everybody, no one would be talking about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Pokemon has like Pokemon as like a as a economist market. That's a household term. Everyone knows how crazy it is. Like my mom and dad knew before I started the business. It's like, I think they dig it. I, I think, I don't think it's as planned as I'm like necessarily saying. I think to your credit too, they might be weary to make more factories, but I think that's a major thing. I think they're going, well, what if it dies down? We'll have all these factories laying around. But I think they're also thinking, why are we so rushed? More people are saying our name than ever before. More people are Googling where to buy Pokemon cards than ever before. They like it, that's that's my theory. Um, They don't want to turn into Beanie Babies Mm -hmm. where they're the hottest thing in the world, they print too many, and now they're lame. Uh, You know, Jordans, like like Nike Jordans, I think they do a pretty good job of like, keeping you know keeping the supply down the the diamond industry um i mean you've got yeezys like all a lot of shoe companies like they could make more mm-hmm. but they they don't want to and i think that's probably a lot of what's going on because if you have that kind of power that pokemon does even if you take even if you take a loss on factory or workers or whatever you know what I mean? I mean, it's not like they're like holding on to their money. Like they've got a lot of cash. Mm-hmm. I think they dig it. No, it's a really good point. Really good point. And and that scarcity, if you keep people hungry consistently mm-hmm. again and again and again, I mean, look at what we saw with battle styles. Like in the beginning, there was that heavy allocation. It was a print to demand set. So basically you got whatever you wanted, but that first wave was heavily allocated People were hungry, people were trying to buy it up, and then all of a sudden, that second wave and that full allocation came rolling out onto the market, and guess what? <laughs> Nobody was buying it, and it just That's a joke. It, it just tanked. So if you had that every single set, right? If every single set, if, if Evolving Skies came out, and you guys out there that are listening or watching, honestly ask yourself, if Evolving Skies came out, and you could go into Walmart or wherever, and you could just buy up as much, as many ETBs as you wanted to, would it be that enticing? Would it be that enticing to you? Um, even celebrations. If cel- if you went out and you could buy all the celebrations, late trainer boxes or uh, figure collections or the ultra premium collection, you could just buy as much of that as you wanted. And it's a small set, right? It's what, 45 cards, something like that. Are you really going to be as enticed to get out there and spend that money right away? Probably not. Probably not. Now, some people out there would say, you know, and I'm sure ourselves included, we'd be like, well, heck yeah. Like, cause I, cause I love it. You know, I just, I want to, I want to have it because I love Pokemon. But then for, for others out there, that, that thrill of the chase and that right. scarcity, you know, there's, you sound like you're pretty familiar with economics. There's something called evolutionary economics, which it's not always, people don't always gravitate to the, the, the free market. A lot of the time it is tied to 
items that have a perceived scarcity, a perceived a low supply. And you just gave some prime examples there of like the diamond industry, the De Beers Corporation. Yes. Basically one of the originators of this very concept. And, uh, and I think we're seeing a very similar thing with, uh, with Pokemon in that we're seeing evolutionary economics at play. And uh, it, it, it will be interesting. And if we do go back to that, that sense of normalcy and things do go back to normal and there's an abundance of supply, um, I wonder how many people will still be around, right? How many people will still be in the hobby when there's not that perceived chase and there's not that perceived scarcity it'll be interesting that's for sure yeah all right well i think uh i think what we'll do now brian is mm-hmm. uh, i think we we've hashed out a lot of uh, a lot of good uh, talking points here uh what i'm going to do now is i'm going to go ahead and turn it over to the chat and uh whatever questions you guys have uh for myself and or brian uh go ahead and throw them up in the chat if you guys wouldn't mind uh as always just go ahead and if it's for uh, one of us in particular just go ahead and throw our name up in the beginning of your question so just put uh you know at pokinav or uh or you could put at pokey ne as well and uh and we'll go ahead and run through uh those questions here but uh any any last little things uh brian that uh that you want to in fact before we jump into the questions here i want to give you the opportunity to go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you on all your different uh, social media platforms yeah man i appreciate it uh so pokeyne.com that's our our website it's just pokey as in pokemon and then ne short for nebraska uh so that's our website where we sell booster box packs and a bunch of other stuff um, twitch.tv slash live. We do rip and ships and every rip and ship we do like a little giveaway at the end. And then we have like whole giveaway um, episodes often. I, I like to give stuff away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of our main place. Uh, we got big on TikTok. That's just pokeyne underscore Pokemon. And you can find me everywhere else too if you look around. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as last words, you know, obviously i love pokemon i hope i can get you guys some good stuff if you're looking and i i the second facet to me as like a a business person as a personality i like business so if anyone ever has a question about how to start one even if it's pokemon like i welcome competition um i've got a discord where people will like shout out a different japanese pokemon company that has a better deal than mine and I've got some fans that are like, you know, blank you, you shouldn't be doing this here. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Like if, if there's a better deal on EV heroes, go and get it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Like I welcome the competition and I'll teach you the exact thing I did because I think most people probably won't do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And the people that do awesome. Like yeah. let's, let's, let's all win. So yeah, I mean, you know, if you got a Pokemon question or a business question, I'd, I'd love to help. Excellent, excellent. All right, Brian, let's see here. Uh, BlastBoost86, what do you think the Wizards of the Coast market will look like in about a year from today, given the current retraces, and retraces and quotations? Should <laughs> I wait or should I start buying now? Um, I'll go ahead and start off with this one, uh, BlastBoost. So what we're seeing right now is actually a little bit of a rebound. 
um, when it comes to the vintage markets. And a lot of the time, what we use as like an indicator is, is like base set, especially base set unlimited is usually a good, it gives you a good pulse on, uh, on the market. And we're starting to see that. Base set unlimited booster boxes were actually hitting lows of around $15,000, which is it actually is still quite good compared to about a year ago where they were at about $8,000. But that they dropped all the way from about $40,000 down to $15,000. We're starting to see those go back up. And when we look at the individual cards in there, the, especially in PSA 10, PSA 9, we're starting to see the prices of those, at least from indications on eBay, uh, from indications on like PWCC auctions, things like that, we're actually starting to see a little bit of a of a rebound. So, I, I would say, you know, is this one of those cases of where the market is? I can't remember the term that they we used to use in the financial market. I think they called it like a like the dead cat theory or something like that. Where if you bounced a dead cat, it would bounce up really quickly, but then it would drop back down again. Basically, what we're seeing here is like you're seeing a, just a, a real slight rebound, but then it's going to come right back down again. It, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case or if maybe we've actually started to turn the corner and, uh, and, and we're starting to, to go back. I will say that we've got some hype left for the rest of the year. We've got uh, celebrations coming out, the 25th anniversary of the TCG later this year. As you mentioned, from a, um, from a retail standpoint, we're moving into the highest grossing part of the year um, in, the, in the fourth quarter. So I think there's still a lot of potential there for Pokemon to become even more uh, popular and for more people to enter the hobby. So we could be poised for, um, we could be poised for a rebound. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think you nailed it. I think, uh, I, I think there's three ways of, if, if you're trying to like invest slash make money and it's, to me, if you're a business and you want to be an actual business, buying and holding isn't a real thing. Because you need your, you know, like you said earlier, cash flow. Um, so if, if you're a business, I think buying vintage, probably not the way to go. I think you're better off finding a way to buy in bulk and then sell because it's like the the California gold rush. The, the dudes that made all the money were the dudes selling the shovels not the guys finding the gold. If I sell Blue Sky Stream, I can sell five cases of that to people who think they're gonna get the $1,000 Rayquaza. And maybe they will, good for them, but I made a lot more money than they did <laughs> selling it new. Very good point, very good point. Right, it, it's, it's the shovels versus the gold, you know? Which one are you gonna be? Now, if you're just an individual, you got a couple grand laying around or a couple hundred laying around, I think it's a good time to buy the vintage stuff. Um, I am not one to buy and hold. I, I, I don't like long-term investments personally. It's not how I roll. But I think if you bought almost anything today and you held it until this holiday season, like late October, November, December, I think you'd make money on it. Mm -hmm. um, as far as holding on to it any longer than that, I, I mean, I don't think anyone can know for sure. Um, I think we do have a few years where Pokemon will be super cool still. Diamond and Pearl, obviously, this year. I think Legends of Arceus is like 2022, and then the DLC on that will probably go for a year or two. So I think it's going to be, I mean, that's video games versus TCG, whatever, but I think Pokemon will be like super hype for at least another two years, but I'm not a buy and hold guy. 
I don't think it's the best way to make money. That's a good juxtaposition because that's that, that's that's kind of always been my investment philosophy is kind of buy and hold. I I, I should say so. As you guys know, Brian's coming to us from Omaha, the the hometown of the man himself, Warren Buffett. So I, you know, in my early days, especially in college, you know, I studied a lot of, of Warren Buffett. I actually have been by his house in Omaha. And what a lot of people don't realize, the guy's, you know, one of the richest men in the world. And I, he's lived in that same house, I think, since like the 1970s, which yep. is, is pretty crazy. a very humble house. Yes, very humble. I, I think my house is bigger and my house is also very humble. <laughs> but you know Warren you know the with value investing and and you know kind of more of a buy and hold type of strategy him and like Jack Bogle the founder of Vanguard so that was kind of my um those were kind of my teachers so to speak uh but I think diversification <clears throat> in the end is probably the be the best way to go if you can diversify 100%. yourself have a buy and hold strategy a flipping strategy uh a, you know a business uh, and, and that's really what, you know, for me, that's what I've done. I, I've created all those different things. And, uh, you know, you're, you're doing something of the same nature for your, for yourself, you know, multiple, mm -hmm. multiple revenue streams in the end guys, it's, it's all about, it's, it's, it's profit and revenue, right? No matter how long, how short of time it takes, however you go about that, that's in the end, that's, that's the goal. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, let's see, Pokey John. Uh, so, as far as sealed product, what do you think will happen if everyone keeps hoarding all the newer sets? Do you think they will appreciate as much as even XY or uh, Sun and Moon Sun and Moon era sets have? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. In the short term, certainly. I mean, I at the beginning of this whole interview, I said I had uh, tag team all stars, Dream League, uh, Remix Bow, all the cool ones. And I got those for a fraction of what they're worth now. So in the short term, 100%. Long term, I mean, I'm going to repeat myself and, and I'll, I'll choose a new anecdote to support my opinion. Um, there was a guy I watched. He owned a, a local game shop and he had a bunch of uh, raw cards, ungraded cards. And like, I'm making this up, but he had like a Charizard and he was selling it for like 100 bucks or whatever. And this particular Charizard, if he got it graded, it'd be... If it was a 10, it'd be $1,000, whatever. And it looked minty as hell, it was beautiful. And so a customer was like, hey man, if it's really as minty as you say, why don't you get it graded and sell it for a thousand? And the guy said something that really actually changed my whole business strategy forever. He's like, oh, I could get it graded and sell it for a grand, but if I make $50 profit today, I can use that $50 profit to buy three other things make $50 profit on that, stack it over here, make $100 profit. And in the time it takes to get that card graded, instead of a $900 profit, I got $2,000. Mm -hmm. So if you, like my thing is, if you can churn, you should churn. If you're just one individual who doesn't wanna deal with all that, I think there's a few that you'd wanna buy and hold. I, I think EV Heroes for sure, that's always gonna be hot. Um, Blue Sky Stream, I could see that being hot for a long time just with Diamond and Pearl coming out like that. Or wait, no, that's not even a Diamond and Pearl. What's uh? I could see, uh, what is it? Alter Genesis has like Dialga, Palkia, and Arceus on it. Mm -hmm. I could see that getting pretty big with the Diamond Pearl release and then Legends of Arceus. Um, what else is super cool? Dragon Storm, 
is really hard to get now. Uh, Miracle Twin, my supplier said, hey man, it's gonna go out of print. This one's really hot, you should buy them all. That one I could see buying and holding for a while. Um, but no matter what you ask me, I'm always gonna say churn and burn best you can. Yeah, you know, and it, it makes sense, right? And, and for me, a lot of the time, what I'm focused on when I'm looking at holding sealed products, right? Whatever time frame that is, for me, I mean, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about how long do I want to hold on to this until I see an appreciation that I'm willing to sell at. But even more important than that to me is my cost basis. What am I actually purchasing at upfront? Right? So it's much better to purchase, let's say, a Battle Styles booster box at $90 a booster box than when it was $145 or $100, you know, $170 at one point for a booster box. So it's understanding where the opportunities in lie. And what I would say to uh, Pokejohn of people hoarding products, I think, and this is just my personal opinion, I think that is grossly um, exaggerated how many people are actually holding on to these products, especially for any amount of time. Because what the vast majority of people will do is as soon as they start to see that market go back up again, so let's say you bought your your uh, battle styles for you know a case for, I don't know, $550. And you start to see that case start to appreciate where now it's at like $600, $650, $700. Then, everybody's like, ooh, I gotta jump on that. And and it's like, it's paper hands the majority of the time. And guys, I say this because I've been in so many other markets where people get paper hands in real estate, in the financial markets, like all these different areas, and, and they, they, they will sell those products. And I've said this before, there's a proliferation now of people who are opening products. So two years from now, when EV Heroes, you're not that's not coming out anymore. And we've talked about the YouTubers, you know, it's like, ooh, what what can I do to get clicks on my video um, that is really gonna bring in the crowds? Let's do EV Heroes. This was two years ago. Nobody's got this anymore. You know, maybe the booster box is now at three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars a booster box. You start to see those things being cracked open again and again and again. And guess what? They gotta continue to find more. Right? Look at yep. this vintage stuff. It just keeps getting cracked open more and more and more. That, those would be the things that you would think most people would be holding on to, the, the vintage stuff. But you see it cracked open every single day, whether it's packs or, or entire booster boxes, you see it cracked open every single day. So what makes you think huh. that sets that were just released a couple years ago that they're not gonna do the same thing with that. And after about two years, they're out of print. They're not printing them anymore. And you know, you start to get through that, uh, again, that perceived cachet, I think pretty quickly. But again, that's, that's just my opinion. I agree with that. Um, let's see. Uh, Tyler Morris says, uh, hi, Pokeyeni, your website looks awesome, and I see you sell packs. Only ask because I'm hesitant to buy individual packs from other sellers, especially on eBay, but do you guys weigh your Japanese packs? Yeah, so I get that question a lot. Um, one thing I'm concerned about when I get that question is if you ask that to somebody, in what reality would they say yes? Mm -hmm. Never trust me, never, never trust anyone. Um, with that in mind, 
no, we don't weigh them. And I think what we do as sellers that's really smart is uh, we have a TikTok account and we've got you know 35,000 followers we post every day. If you look at our comments, there's not a single negative one uh, ever. Everyone's suit, like we, if you watch our ripping ships on Twitch, we pull a secret rare like every 40 minutes. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Uh, no, we don't weigh them. If we did, our, we wouldn't be around. We'd be canceled so quick. So don't listen to me, person out there. Look at our reviews on Google and Facebook. Watch us on Twitch. Definitely look at TikTok because that's where you get canceled for doing that kind of stuff. It just wouldn't make sense. I, I think on eBay, I don't want to hate on eBay sellers. You might be more inclined to find Wade packs because they don't care. Um, it's an eBay channel, who cares? But if you own like a business, like your site, my site, it's not worth it. So, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna find a, a full art Marnie card, make 900 bucks on it, and then what? Okay, great, I got $900, big deal. Mm -hmm. I want $100,000. So I'm going to make sure you get the $900 card customer and I'll keep getting business. So yeah. no, I, I don't weigh them, but you should definitely be weary because a lot of people do. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. For sure. And, and you know, that's something that I tell people all the time is especially with pre-orders, right? Like you see yeah. this so much with like online resellers and especially those selling on eBay where they they put up pre-orders right and let's say there's a thousand boxes on their pre-order what i have found and and i've had people that i actually look up to that have recently gotten into this space over the last year or so and and they will admit i was i was ignorant when i put in an order for a thousand boxes i thought i was getting a thousand boxes <laughs> so i put up a thousand pre-orders and when you actually get your numbers back that's why for us at Pokey Realm, we don't even, even when I had my old website, we don't put up numbers until about one to two weeks. We don't put up pre-orders about one to two weeks prior to uh, release because we want to have firm numbers. And I will tell you this right now, guys, there's a lot, it happens a lot out there where distributors or the people that you're getting products from, all of a sudden it'll be, oh, well, you know what? We told you that you were getting 400 boxes hey, something happened and actually we're only able to get you 300. It happens all the time, all the time. And I, and I can't 100%. speak for you, Brian, uh, you know, from, from uh, you know, the Japanese side, but I can tell you guys. It's the same. It, yeah, it, it happens all the time. And so that's why, you know, guys like Brian, you know, myself, like with Rocky and, and Poke Realm and all of this, we try to do the best we can. We try to pay our due diligence as close as we can uh, because we want to make sure that we do have those hard and fast numbers and very often what you're seeing on eBay um, the amount of orders that get canceled for people that put in pre-orders is just astronomical and then even more egregious than that are people that put in pre-orders with eBay sellers they get canceled and then they never get their money back it happens mm -hmm. day in and day out and that's it's again it's why it's so important and and for you you're you're a face right like you've got multiple different channels so ultimately what happens falls back on you like for, right. for myself like i've got a platform here like i want to do as the the best that i can we want to do the best that we can because 
ultimately any any type of reflection always comes back onto us positive exactly. or negative you have to accept it all and so you you have to do your best to to perform the best that you can for your customers 100%. I, I have a quick thing to say about the pre-order thing, if, if you got a sec. For sure. Yeah, so this is, uh, you, you nailed it, but there's also a more nefarious side to it, which I thought was fascinating. Um, a lot of sell, a lot of companies, they know that they're not going to get the allocation they order. But what they'll do is, if they're short on cash, they'll throw up pre-orders for, say, the 25th anniversary set, infinite pre-orders, say, a thousand of them they'll get $100,000 from people or whatever, and they'll use that money to buy other product. And then, so it's essentially a free loan. Mm -hmm. So they use that money to buy, say, vintage sets that cost $20,000 a box. So they got a free loan from you, and then they'll sell the vintage box or whatever, and they'll, they'll churn that money. After they get their money back, then they'll return your pre-order, they'll cancel your order, and you're disappointed because you didn't get the product you pre-ordered, but they also used all this illegal money, basically, mm -hmm. as basically a free loan. money laundering. It it really yeah it's it's uh you could compare it to a pyramid scheme sort of. Mm -hmm. The end customer does get their money back, but you're taking a free loan from these people, and uh, it, it's genius, but it's also evil. So I wanted to get that in real quick. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's it's crazy when you when you really dive into the nitty gritty of the like sort I would call it the back end of this world that a lot of people mm -hmm. don't understand. Like it just it goes so deep, and there's so many levels, and there's so much red tape, and there's just to to try to make and and that's why I love bringing people like you on, Brian, because it is so difficult to get to the point that you are at and and I think people just gloss it over right they just think that it's doing this is 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 easy right it's just like it's mm -hmm. easy money you know anybody that wants to get rich quick like you can jump in you can make a you know million dollars off of pokemon <laughs> but it is a grind and there's a lot of risk involved and it it's it's very time consuming and you have to be smart because ultimately it all falls back on you it all falls back all that risk uh, it all falls back on the the business owner. Yep, that's the mantra. Everything is your fault. That's yeah. the mantra. <laughs> and, and and you know, I kind of like that. I honestly, I and I think any any entrepreneur has that that uh, that level of 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 risk that they're willing to take because they they want to be the the benefactor of their successes, but they also are okay with being the um, the subject of their mistakes as well. Definitely. All right, so let's see here. Uh, TT says, would you invest in evolving skies? Um, you know, again, I think for me personally, I would be a lot more cause cognizant of the cost basis. What are you buying? Evolve. If you're gonna hold it for long term, you know, like Brian said, like if you're gonna do the flipping mentality and, and you're going to try to churn, um, you need to be cognizant of what are you purchasing that at, how long are you gonna be holding it, how long can you hold it, um, and then you know, for me, more of the long term perspective, I would say, um, what are you purchasing it at? What is your cost basis? How long do you plan on holding it? And also looking at you know what products are are actually gonna be worth your time. You know, for me personally, I would say, 
elite trainer boxes and booster boxes it seems like elite trainer boxes are almost starting to outperform booster boxes now <laughs> um i so, think so yeah so i would say just be smart understand what you're buying it for what's your original cost basis and know how long you're willing to hold it 100 percent. anything to add to that brian uh to kind of repeat what i said I, i'd say you know 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 how long you want to hold it for and also consider the opportunity costs what if you're if you're doing this for fun you like looking at the pretty box art awesome power to you that's sweet if you're doing this for money, you've got 150 bucks tied up in this booster box and you hold it for a year, you might make, you might double your money, great. But could you have used that 150 bucks to triple your money by going to Goodwill and flipping stereos? Probably, <laughs> probably. I mean, so yeah. consider opportunity costs. If you're savvy, you could probably make a lot more for your 150 bucks than doubling it in a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it all boils down to, you know, what type of strategy are you going to employ? Are you a passive investor? Are you an active type of investor? You know, maybe you've got assets elsewhere and you're just like, you know what, Pokemon, it's, it's, my, it's my buy and hold strategy or Pokemon is my uh, source of, of capital generation. Um, and so it's just understanding that approach. Neither, yeah. neither of them are any better than the other, but you got to understand, you know, what your, what your trajectory is. Yes, yeah, so you gotta be very self-aware. Mm -hmm. uh, Tyler Morris, hey, thank you so much for that super chat, buddy. Uh, thank you, Pokey N E. Appreciate the authentic and honest answer. Love it, man. Thank you. I appreciate that, Tyler. Yeah, um, thank you. Ryo says uh, recently found a Chase of the Moonlight, one of the Japanese Diamond and Pearl era sets. Uh, booster box selling for about thirty-five hundred. Do you think the price is uh, justified? The, the particular set itself, I'm not too familiar with. Um, and I'm not sure what the maybe English equivalent would have been of that. Um, but the, I mean, that's going back quite a ways. And we were just talking about it here, how Diamond and Pearl could really see a resurgence and uh, increase in popularity with the new games coming out. So I think Diamond and Pearl era, um, there's, there's a lot of really good sets in there. Um, and you know, thirty five hundred. You know, again, it's uh, <laughs> opportunity costs. All the things that we've talked about here today. Um, what do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think. Uh, I guess to kind of correct what I said earlier, one thing to consider too is, you know, you might be like, oh, Diamond and Pearl are coming out. This will be worth more money soon. But other people know that too, and you need to wonder if maybe you're paying that premium already. Maybe that guy is selling it with that premium in mind and you've got to determine, is it going to go up more or are we already there? You know, yeah. you've got to be, and it's just like any, any stock, you know, we're, we're in kind of the era of meme stocks right now where everyone's like, oh, this, this is happening. I better buy this stock. Well, most people know that's happening and that's mm -hmm. probably why that stock is that price. So you've got to be way more ahead of the game than you think you are um like diamond and pearl i mean you need to you needed to know that thing would release a year and a half ago yeah to, to make it to me to make it a guaranteed worth it move um uh, and on stuff that niche as like an old japanese set that a lot of people don't know about i think what's really important is you need to have an avenue to sell it um 
and I don't consider eBay a real avenue because I, I sell stuff. I sell my stuff on eBay. I have like an eBay store with my product. I'm surprised at how crappy eBay is at getting in front of viewers. Um, mm -hmm. it's kind of I like mean, like YouTube in a lot of ways, like if you're not hitting yeah. the right keywords, if you're not hitting the right, uh, you know, search criteria, like you're just not going to get found, especially if you're no. kind of that mid tier or even smaller store. Yeah, so like I don't consider that a real avenue if you're trying to make real money. Um, not to mention they take so much of your money percent wise now. So mm -hmm. if you're gonna do something like that, you better have connections where you can drop it easily and and without paying a, a ton of commission. Or mm -hmm. I I would avoid it honestly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, I like what you you brought up there about it being factored in. And I've done that myself in the past where I will list products. Uh, I will specifically list products about, you know, maybe 20% above market value, maybe even 30% above market value. And I don't have any expectation of selling that. But the reason that I do it is because I know when one of those sells, that triggers to me that the market has moved. Right, mm -hmm. so I'll see. Maybe you, you like, for instance, I, I got a bunch of those uh, Japanese Southern Island uh, collection boxes, and uh, mm -hmm. specifically, I, that's exactly what I did. I put that up much higher than the market price, and and I was okay with that. And I'll do that just so I know. Hey, the market has moved. The market has shifted, and that's when I'll go back out and I'll start to do my research on those particular products to see where it's at. And then I know, hey, the market has responded and now it's time to start moving more of these. It's time to start getting more of these listed uh, because I know the market, the, the, the hobby has maybe paid more attention to this particular product. There's more emphasis on it and the price point has now reached where I had projected it would be. Yeah, that's a really good idea, honestly. So, so yeah, man, I, hopefully that, uh, that answers some of the questions for you again, it's always tough. And I, we get a lot of these type of questions, um, of, you know, very specific type of sets. Is it worth it? Is it not worth it? And, uh, those are all things to take into, into consideration is how, how easily you're going to be able to move it. When are you going to move it? Um, and, and again, your cost basis, is it already factored in? Is it already maybe above market? Is it at market? And has the market already said, hey, we're going we're gonna to price it above? Because a lot of what you see, like with uh, eBay and some of these other sources, as soon as you see something sell for a particular price, especially in the very beginning, that's setting the barometer now for the rest of the market. So no, nobody's, some people might go in and they may undercut just to get the sale. But generally speaking, the market as a whole is now going to sell at that particular price point so that could have right. been something where somebody got in early they priced it high the market responded and now is selling at that higher value relative to the actual products intrinsic or inherent value yeah and you got to figure out if it's going to go up again or if it's not um let's see <laughs> pokey john says you just got to hope you sell it to someone uh, stupider. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Debert, answering any questions about Pokey Realm. Actually, I will say one thing that uh, Brian and I've seen some of these comments coming across the chat. Brian and I actually, after we get off of the podcast, he and I are going to have a, a little chat, a little chat about maybe a possible, uh, a possible collaboration with Pokey Realm and uh, Pokey Ne. 
So uh, we'll, we'll keep you guys on a, on a, on a string on that one. Uh, but I'll, I'll definitely drop more information as, uh, as maybe we figure out more. Uh, let's see. Pokey John says, any thoughts on MetaZoo? I feel it has five years of growth already priced in. I mean, it's very possible. Um, I'll let you start with this one, uh, Brian. Yeah, and I, I don't want to get off tough. Is this real time? Can you hear me right now? Yeah. Okay. I, my screen is completely white. I don't <laughs> see you anymore. Okay. So there's something. There's something wrong on my end, but it, I, I was, uh, if this is real time, I'll just keep going until, until it fully breaks. Um, you said MetaZoo. I'm going to be. be oh, are you still there? I am. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. I can hear you. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's wrong, but, um, I think you said MetaZoo. I'll be mm -hmm. honest, I don't know what that is, actually. Like, <laughs> please educate me. So MetaZoo is this new TCG that was released by uh, Mike Waddell, who is he's mm. pretty well known in the collecting world and TCG world. Um, and it's basically, to me, it's kind of a, a play on various other TCGs. It has feels of Pokemon. It has feels of Yu-Gi-Oh. It has feels of Magic the Gathering. Um, and it's all kind of based around like mythological creatures, uh, at least the early one. I think there's other subsequent sets that are supposed to come out that are, you know, I think one I'm actually excited for it is uh, like a, a UFO uh, based oh. set. I, I, I tell you what, if they get a, a uh, Fox Mulder or Dana Scully card in there, you, you can bet your boy Pokey is gonna jump in on that. <laughs> Any, anything X-Files related, I'll be in on that. Um, but just a new TCG, I, I think. That, okay. You know they got a lot of big promoters. They got Gary King Pokemon. They got hmm. um, who else? They got uh, Rudy from Alpha Investments. So they, oh, okay. they got a lot of big promoters coming out. But uh, and I, Brian, I, <laughs> I think I think you're frozen on my end. I think I can still hear your audio. Can you? I can hear you. I can't see you. So we, okay. we can probably make this work. I suppose. So we we've got it. We've got a frozen image of Brian on you. It's a it's a pretty good image. You got a nice big big smile on your face. So we may have to work oh, with excellent. that. <laughs> but but yeah, that's, as long as I look alright. No, you you look good, man. You look happy. But that's that's essentially <laughs> it. Is uh, that's that's MetaZoo. It sounds really cool, and I I feel like just based on what you said. That could go somewhere, so I, I need to look into that myself. Maybe, uh, maybe add that to the business repertoire. Yeah, yeah, we we've been looking at it ourselves with uh, with Pokey Realm. We kind of got into it a little bit late. Um, I don't think they're they're not producing uh, any new boxes at this point, um, but we are we do have the contacts. So as soon as we get word of another round, I think we we will probably have some stock. Um, up on the up on the website so i mean it's a new tcg mm. you know it could go a million different places uh much like a ton of other tcgs have before it some have blown up some have uh, you know you, you can't even remember them they, they were so short yeah. so yeah i i think that uh it's just kind of a waiting game you just have to wait wait and see on this one But uh, all right, Brian. I think uh, I think we'll go ahead. Oh, and I lost Brian. So I'm gonna go ahead and switch back over, guys. <laughs> so hey, we we lost Brian, unfortunately. 
looks like something was going on. Um, and I won't, I won't have him jump back in. We were pretty much at the end of our conversation. Um, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up there with, uh, with today's podcast. Seems like we've been having nothing but internet issues over the, these last few podcasts, where, whether it's on a guest's end, my end, or even YouTube's end. Uh, it seems like this, is, uh, this has been quite the last few weeks. Uh, but guys, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Brian. Make sure that you guys go and check him out, Pokey NE, uh, for all of your Japanese cards needs. And uh, you know, make sure that uh, you let him know that uh, that PokeNav sent you. And I'll keep you guys apprised. We're going to be chatting. Uh, he'll probably be cal- calling back in here soon. We'll be chatting. We'll be talking about uh, possible collaborations here. I think he's got a great business, great business model. And uh, personally, I would love uh, to be able to work with him and ultimately to be able to help all of you out there in uh, in any capacity that we can. So other than that, guys, we'll see you next time uh, right here on the Pokemon Masterclass. You guys have a great rest of your week. We'll see you all next time. Take care, Nab Nation. Hey!